Thanks for checking out the Relentless Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. So do things ever get too crazy in your life? Like, like, you know, like some of you operate at a normal level of crazy. Some of you like are better at handling it than others. But have things ever gotten so crazy in your life that you're just like, I'm out. And you just took off, left the room. You had to get out of there, right? Like that happens. Like Christy and I were driving. And if you've ever ridden in the car when all my kids are in the car and on 10, you know that it is the definition of insanity. It's just, it's crazy. And that's the toll. Like, we don't charge you if we give you a ride or pick you up, but that's the toll that you have to pay is you have to ride in the car with my kids, and it takes a toll on you. But So anyway, the, like, it was a few months back. Christy and I were driving home from church. It was a Wednesday night. Uh, you know, I felt like it was a good night, but, you know, you guys may not know this, but the Wednesday's a real long day for me and Christy, and, and we enjoy it, but sometimes we're just a little tired. And we were a little tired that evening. We were driving home. And from my house to here, it's about 25 minutes or so, and we're about halfway we're coming up on the Whataburger that's like halfway there. That's, that's kind of how I know it because, you know, obviously I know where the Whataburger is. Um, and my kids are just losing it. They're yelling at each other. They're throwing things. You know, I was like, your parents need to do a better job or something. I, I was just, it got to the point where Christy and I couldn't do anything. We're like threatening to like take their stuff away and smack them and, and it's just nothing. There's just nothing stopping them. So finally we were like, that's it. We pull into the Whataburger parking lot. I put the car in park. It's still on. The AC's going. Calm down. We shut the doors, and we just get out, me and Christy. And we just stand out in front of the car. We just get out. Like the kids in the middle of the screaming. We get out, fine, shut the door, and we just go stand, like, in front of the car, and we're like, so how was your day? She's like, it was actually pretty good, you know? I got some stuff done, VBS, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I felt good. How'd you feel like tonight went? Good. Meanwhile, in the car, like, you know how cars are kind of half soundproof, where it's not as loud, but you can still hear when there's noise? There was just nonstop noise when we got out of the car. As soon as we shut the door, it was like dead silence. And the kids are like, what just happened? Did they get out? They left us here. They, they, uh, they thought we were broke or something. They were like, that, this isn't supposed to happen. Normally when we go places, they get us out. So we're just standing there, I think probably for 10 minutes. And it was just like, I had to just, just get out of that for a minute. And we get back in the car. They don't know what to do. They're just, they're dead silent because they're like, what just happened? We don't even address it. We never said, like, this is because you, we just got in the car, drive on back home. Like, nothing ever happened. It wasn't until, like, the next day that Allie was like, are y'all okay? And we just had to get out of there. Sometimes things get a little bit crazy, and you got to do something about it. What does that have to do, to do with tonight? I'm glad you asked, and we'll get to that in a second. Because we are continuing a series we started a few weeks ago called Cultivate. Everybody say Cultivate. Half of, this half of the room got it. The other half of the room say Cultivate. Now, in all fairness, there's three of you in this section, so they're kind of heavily weighted on this side over here, but that's all right. Cultivate. If you've never heard that word, it's a big fancy word for grow or intentionally grow. The definition, you'll see it up on the screen, says to break up soil in preparation for sowing or planting. If you were a farmer, you've seen like the rows and stuff like that, and they have to like dig it up and so they can put seeds in. You can't just throw seed on top of the ground. It, It doesn't work that way. Anyway, the reason why we're talking about this is because, uh, we, and we've talked about this every week, kind of, so I'll just briefly mention it, but the reason why is because there are things that will grow in our life. That things will grow, will develop, character, habits, all this kind of stuff will develop. The problem is that the things that grow because we do nothing, the things that we, if we just left our life alone and didn't purposely do anything to develop ourselves mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever, the things that would grow are not the things we want. 
the good things in our life, whether it be our character or our, whole, our walk with the, with the Lord or anything like that kind of stuff, those things only grow when we have purpose. Uh, I've said it every week to kind of illustrate it, but uh, cornfields don't just grow on accident. They grow on purpose because somebody took the time and the know-how and all that to do that. And the same is true with the things that we want in our lives. So throughout the summer and in the first few weeks now, we've kind of been talking about some specific things. And it comes from uh, the Bible. It comes from a, a book called Galatians. And you'll see the scripture up on the screen. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so each week what we're doing is we're taking one of those. And if you've ever grown up in church, you've probably heard those called the fruit of the Spirit. And that can be a really churchy kind of terminology, it's a, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But sometimes we say things and we don't really comprehend exactly what it means. Or more importantly, how, what does that even look like in real life? And so the whole purpose of this series is if the fruit of the Spirit, which you saw in the thing, if, if what is a byproduct of you having a relationship with God is all those things, then we should learn how to get those things in our lives. So we've talked about a couple different things. We've talked about love. we talked about joy. If you missed out on those weeks, you can go uh, check out the podcast if you have Apple Podcasts. It's just the Relentless Podcast, or I think it's Relentless TWC. You can search that. We're on there. Subscribe. You get all the weeks. It's amazing. You listen to it while you're doing things. It's amazing. That's like a sarcastic amazing. But, you know, it's, it helps you, I don't know, like the three people that subscribe to it love it. So leave, a, leave, a, you know, leave a, some comments or something. I don't know. Anyway, this week we're going to talk about, talk about cultivating peace. Everybody say peace. Okay, everybody say peace. peace. Hey, that was good. Thank you, Kathy. I heard you. Cultivating peace. Now, let me clear up something, a misconception about peace. Peace is, is commonly mistaken as the absence of conflict or stress or pressure, like calm. Like when somebody says, bring peace to a situation, it's like, I don't want to have to deal with any difficult things. It needs to be calm. And while that's kind of a loose definition of peace, that's not the kind of peace that the Scripture or that the God kind of talks about throughout the Bible about the kind of peace we're having, supposed to have in our life. Because the truth is, peace is only truly seen or grown when difficult things happen. During conflict or during stress or during pressure times in our life, that's when we really get to see the peace that is in our life or isn't in our life come out. It's easy to be at peace and be calm when everything is calm. When my kids are quiet, it's real easy for me to be peaceful because it's just, it's, there's already peace in the room. It's quiet. When they are losing it, that's when my peace is tested. Whenever it's like, will you have God's kind of peace? And so the example kind of I would use is like, if you had a piece of fruit, if you had an orange, the only way you get the enjoyment out of that orange, whether you want to eat just the orange pieces or you want orange juice, the only way to get anything out of that orange is to crush it. It can't stay just sitting there whole by itself. It just, maybe it looks pretty, I guess, if you're into oranges. I don't know. Like that, you like the color, I guess. Draw it. You know, I feel like every art class starts with you have to draw like a bowl of fruit. So maybe that's you. But you have to either, you have to put some pressure on that orange to get the the juice or to get the fruit out of it. And so if I was to take an orange and just squeeze an orange in my hand, juice is the byproduct that comes from the pressure. What would happen or what happens to your life? What, what flows from your life when you're in a pressure situation? My guess is that it's most likely not peace. And that's not just because you guys are all evil and you're going to hell. That's not true. I mean, I don't think it's true. Hopefully it's not. We can talk about that part later. Um, but like in my life, 
Not every time where I'm in a stressful or, or difficult situation would peace be what just naturally flows for me. I wish it was, but we're working on it and we're, we're cultivating it. Uh, maybe, maybe a different way to look at it is when you're dealing with tough stuff, with difficult situations, with difficult people, what comes out of your, your heart? What, what, what kind of attitude do you have? What kind of actions do you have? What words come out of your mouth? Does your, does, your, does your verbiage, does the way you say things, does your language change when things get difficult? I would say that if it does, you might want to think about cultivating a little bit of peace. Psalms, the book of Psalms in the Bible, thir- chapter 34, says it like this. Turn your back on sin. Do something good. Embrace, everybody say embrace. Embrace peace. Don't let it get away. Now, I talked a couple of weeks ago, and because... God's funny like this, that right around the time we got ready to start this series, I got a letter uh, from my HOA saying that I needed to redo my flower beds because, you know, that's just, I guess, a thing. And so it drove me nuts because I hate working in the garden. Like, I, I just don't. I, that's not my thing. That's just not something I do. So to have to get out there in the hot sun and dig up these flower beds and put in, like, new mulch and trim the bushes and all that kind of stuff, it was super annoying. But it, it just was But it was funny how... We're in a series called Cultivate, and I'm learning to literally cultivate the garden in my front yard. So I talked about all that. You can go back and listen on the podcast. But one of the things I thought was interesting is now it's a few weeks out from redoing all these flower beds. They look, they don't look amazing, but they look decent. And the problem is now, a few weeks out, I had all this great mulch. It just looked amazing. But we got a little bit of rain. And so the mulch kind of shifts a little bit, and it's not as pretty. And now, because we got a little bit of rain guess what I got popping up through my, my clean flower beds? Weeds. You ever seen weeds in the flower bed? Some of y'all thought I said something else. You better get saved. You ever seen weeds in your flower bed? Yeah, they pop up. And now I've got weeds growing in my flower bed. And so the other day I had to get out there. I had to go take the weed killer and spray this flower bed. Now you're like, okay, are we learning gardening? No, but this is going to relate to what I'm talking about because uh, peace in your life, God's peace is the weed killer. And look, I even have a fake bottle of weed killer. <laughs> I, could, I didn't want to bring like Roundup in here because like it's dangerous chemical and my kids would probably drink it. But like, it, I want you to think of peace as like the weed killer in your life. This is just water. Calm down. Some of y'all are like, is he spraying something hazardous? The, 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 the image I want you to take home with you is that peace, God's peace in your life is like a weed killer. It's like, like the, the weed killer. And let me explain a little bit what I mean. So there's, there's three areas or there's three things, three times in your life that I feel like uh, are really just easy ways that you can, you can learn to put God's peace into your life and it'll change your world. So three times we can cultivate or we can grow peace. Number one, everybody, it's on the screen. It says number one, before the fight. You don't have to say this with me, just before the fight. Now, you're almost out of school, but many of you know this. When you're in school, and two people square up, that one dude is always there to yell what? How does it go? World star, world star. yeah. <laughs> when, I, yeah. when I was in school, it was fight. Now it's world star. Yeah, I get it. I know. It's, no, no. But fight. And, and how, many of you, how many of you, when a fight happens, usually you fall into one of two categories. When somebody fights, when there's a fight going on, you're either category A you want to get there and see it. Like, grab the popcorn. I got to see this fight. Be honest. How many of you are that group? You're like, I got to see the fight. Don't lie. Don't lie. 
Y'all know I'm going to flip it on you in a minute and you're going to feel bad about it. But how many of you are honestly that person? That was me in school. Whenever it was like, fight, I'm like, yes, this is the best part of my day. I got to see it. How many of you are the other group? You're like, I, I don't even, I don't even want to get involved. I just, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get in trouble because somebody's going to go to jail. And it's going to be me if I'm standing anywhere near it. Yeah, that's the group. Usually we fall into one of those two groups. We either, we either like pass the popcorn. I got to see this or I don't want anything to do with this. Um, okay. And, and it's nice to know that those are our two main reactions, but there's a problem here because while that's a physical fight, that's a fist fight, oftentimes the worst part about a fight is not the actual, the actual fist fight. The actual, I mean, sometimes it is. There's some brutal ones out there. But sometimes we're not talking about a fist fight. We're talking about uh, uh, maybe it's a verbal fight. Any, any people out there, like you, you've got some friends or you've got some people around you that got a little drama in their life. Like it's, it's this girl and this girl, and they just are constantly talking about one another and starting stuff, right? Anybody? You've been in that situation? Yeah, sometimes that happens. Um, sometimes on like a more serious, like deep level, sometimes it's family. Sometimes families fight and feud and they don't talk to each other for years. Fighting is, is a big deal. Fighting anger, bitterness, jealousy are weeds that pop up in our lives. Now that doesn't always mean we're in the fight, but that does mean that the, the weeds of fighting, of anger, of jealousy can crop up in our life and they can mess things up. The, the, the problem or the thing we got to know here is that if we say we follow Jesus, if we want to actually be like Christ, then we have a job to do, like it said before the fight. Jesus is talking in the book of Matthew chapter 5, and it's on the screen. It says this. It says, you're blessed. There it is. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when you show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. Now, it's a lot harder to stop a fist fight when it's actually happening. What that means is if two people are just out there punching each other, you're not necessarily going to just jump in there and be like, hey! All right? If it's already gotten to that point, it's probably gotten a little too far. What it's uh, and it's the same way if you're trying to use peace as a weed killer. It's much harder to kill the weeds in your flower bed when they're six foot tall. You got to start when they're small, when they're little, little tiny weeds, you get out there and you spray them. It's the exact same way with conflict with people. Instead of walking away when there's a fight or whenever you hear drama or whenever there's stuff going on, instead of walking away, instead of encouraging it, you know, being that guy who just kind of, well, did you hear what she said about you? You know, stirring it up. Some people are like that. You know what I mean? Um, maybe instead of walking away or encouraging that fight, maybe we work to create peace, to bring um, resolution to that conflict. Now, that seems very cheesy. All right? Now, like, I can, I'm going to admit to you that that seems like a very cheesy, like, if two people are fighting, you should be the person who tells them to make up and not fight. Like, you're going to seem, it's going to seem very dorky. All right? I totally get that. Because I feel like some of you are like, look, if two people are fighting, I'm not going to be that person who's going to be like, y'all need to get along. You know what I mean? That's, can we all admit like that, that kid's kind of dorky? Like, I get that. But sometimes doing the right thing, sometimes being like Jesus is a little bit more important than how dorky you may or may not look. Specifically because while bringing peace to two people that are kind of dealing with some stuff might seem cheesy, it can actually save their life in a way. What I mean is, how many people, maybe you yourself, or how many people do you, you come in contact with that 
are dealing with personal issues, mental or psychological or emotional issues, because of something someone said to them or did to them or some sort of a conflict they had with somebody. I would say chances are we all know somebody. Maybe you're that somebody. I deal with students all the time that are dealing with issues, that are struggling to overcome issues that were caused because of some sort of a conflict with someone else. And so those kind of, those situations should tell us that conflict's a big thing because it can chip away at who we were created to be, at a wholeness that God created us to be. The, the verse I read earlier in Matthew, uh, in a different translation, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, what I think is interesting, if you really get, dig into it, is that that word peacemaker, it's the only time in, in, in the entire recorded scriptures of Jesus he ever uses that word, peacemaker, the, the Greek word there. And what that word literally translates to is, is not just to, to calm things down. It's to declare the truth of God in order to make the person you're declaring it to whole. So what he's saying in that verse is not just blessed are the people, you're blessed if you, if you calm things down. He's saying you're blessed, you're doing the right things of God if you're the person who can bring God's truth to people, who can bring peace to people, and who can create a wholeness in them. So the first thing we got to know if we want to cultivate peace in our life is we got to cultivate it before the fight. Number two, we got to cultivate it when we're right. These are going to rhyme because, you know, if it rhymes, it must be God. That's a joke, a stupid one. So anyway, number one, before the fight. Number two, when we're right. So have you ever had a really great day go really bad all of a sudden? Like you were just doing great. It was wonderful. Things were awesome. And then all of a sudden something bad happens and you're just like, it's like your whole, you know, day just is completely derailed. And you're like, where did that come from? I was, I was doing everything right. Like it just completely got off off track real fast. Like it escalated quickly. Like I can remember this time I was in college and I had some friends that were up for the weekend and they were friends of mine, but like, like they were off doing something else. There were four of them and they were, they were goofing around and one of them, uh, just happened to be like their wrong place, wrong time type of situation. He was hanging out. The other one did something stupid. And this is because this is a small town like Texas. They were throwing rocks at a security guard shack not like major criminals here, but the security guard got mad enough. He called the real police and was like, Hey, these kids are vandalizing our property. So a cop shows up and he's just questioning the kids. And it's really just this one kid that was throwing the rocks. And I say kid, we're talking 19 year old people here are, you know, dudes here are throwing rocks at this guard shack. It's really not that big a deal. Okay. So the cop shows up and he's just talking to him. All right, guys, what happened? okay, this is stupid. Like, can y'all just apologize to the man, offer to pay for the window you broke? Like, it's super simple. The problem is one of the four starts getting an attitude with the cop and starts being like, man, why are you even here? This ain't your jurisdiction. Get out of here. Like, and calls the guy, (laughs) calls him a pig. Now, I don't know how many run-ins you have with the cops, but that's not a good idea. All right. Like, like in case you didn't know, I don't think I'm I'm dropping any knowledge on you, but just in case you didn't know, it's not a good idea to call cops names right in there in that moment because they weren't even really in trouble. And yet the moment he did that, the cop said, oh, that's how you want to be? All four of you, turn around and put your hands behind your back. Cuffs all four of them, takes them all in. Now, he charged them with something, vandalism. They, they held them for maybe like an hour before the, like, the, the, uh, 
school security or whatever just said, hey, chill out, like it's not that big a deal. The point is, they would not have had to deal with any of that had the one guy shut up. But more importantly, like my friend, the fourth guy that was there, was like, I just was standing there. I wasn't even doing anything. Sometimes you have a really good day, and for no reason at all, things go really bad really quickly. Anybody relate to that a little bit? Things go really bad really quickly. Good. I want to make sure we're on the same page. So more seriously, or more to the point of what we're talking about, have you ever felt like, okay, you're actually trying to do the, the Jesus thing, the church thing. You're actually trying to give it a shot. Maybe it's, it's post like Coram Deo or Lyft or City Camp, and, and it's like a week out, and you're like, man, I, I feel like I'm doing great. Like, yay, God. I actually feel kind of Christian. And then all of a sudden, something happens in life, and it just derails everything. And you're like, where did that even come from? I was doing a great job, God. I was really trying. Why does it feel like my life is working against me? Anybody relate? Yeah? Come on, show of hands if you can relate. So I know I'm talking to the right people. I know that we probably all can. Sometimes we even get mad at God because we feel like, is my life punishing me for trying to do the right thing? Sometimes, using the garden kind of parallel, sometimes the garden, we can do everything we can to make it look good, to do all the right things, and the weeds still grow up. And it's really easy to lose our peace, to get mad at God, and to not understand why when we try to do things right, things seem to go wrong. It, it's really easy to, to lose our peace in that moment. But I think it can easily be explained why that happens in one, one quick little scripture story. It's in the book of uh, Mark. You'll see it on the screen. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he, that's Jesus, he said to them, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him and with them, they took Jesus with them in the boat. Jesus hops in the boat, just as, uh, in the boat, just as he was. All right. And other boats were with him. Anyway, and then, so they're crossing this, this sea, and this sea is like really, really big. It's not like a tiny pond. They're crossing the sea in a great wind, a great storm. Where do, I lost my spot. Where are we at? And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he, that's Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a cushion. That's, I just thought that was funny. Asleep on a cushion. They, like, they felt like they needed to let you know he was asleep on a cushion. Anyway, I'll, something I'll think about later. And they woke him, they woke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, Jesus, he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Steel, still, still, yeah, not steel. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So, how many of you have heard the story? You grew up in church, you probably heard Jesus calms the storm. Oh, yeah, it's a common story. Peace be still. When we're talking about peace, it's one of the first scriptures that comes up. I think what's interesting about that is, like us in the situation we were talking about, the disciples were doing what they were supposed to do. They were following with Jesus. They just wrapped up a church service. Jesus said, let's get in the boat. I want y'all to take me to the other side, and that's where we're going to go. And they said, cool, hop in. They do, and they're doing what Jesus is, has said to do. They're living. They're doing great. They're following him. They're being obedient. And in the middle of their obedience, going and doing exactly what Jesus said to do, this storm shows up. And it's threatening to kill them. Now, keep in mind, these dudes are, like, half of them are fishermen, professionally. They're used to the wind. They're used to the rain. They, they know how to boat. It's not like they're amateurs. And they're about to die. They're that scared. So, not only is it a big deal that, because professionally they should know better, but, like, they're being obedient to Jesus. And, some, and, and what I think the first thing we can learn is that sometimes you can be obedient to Jesus and still have to face difficult stuff. 
The reason why is in verse 39, and it's up on the screen right now. Verse 39. And when he awoke, that's Jesus, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a, what does it say? Great calm. That word right there, rebuked. Everyone say rebuked. Yeah, I know. It's super churchy. But that word rebuked tells us a couple of things. Number one, that word rebuked is only ever used by Jesus. It only ever says Jesus rebuked when he's talking to one specific thing. It, Jesus only ever rebukes either demons or evil spirits. When he casts the demons out of people or he speaks to evil spirits, when one, an evil spirit's working kind of through the voice of one of his disciples, it says Jesus rebuked. The only time Jesus ever rebuked anything in Scripture, he's speaking specifically to either demons or evil spirits. What that tells us is this wasn't just a normal storm. Because I've always struggled with this story. I've always felt like Jesus is just yelling at the wind for being the wind. Like, it's a storm. Why is he mad at nature for being nature? That's, that's always been my natural, like, reaction to this story. What that word, that word rebuke tells us is that Jesus isn't just yelling at nature and telling nature to chill out because it's nature. He's telling a specific evil spirit to chill out. What that means is that sometimes when we're doing the right thing, when we're on the right track, when we're trying to live for Jesus and we get attacked, it's not because life says we're doing it wrong. It's because the enemy of our life is scared that we're doing it right. You get it? Sometimes you can be confirmed that you are on the right track because somebody's trying to stop you from going further. And we lose our peace and we're like, God, why does it feel like life is picking on me? It's because you're going the right way. Those are the times to find the God's peace and just trust him and be like, God, you told me to keep going this way. It looks scary, but I'm going to keep going this way because I know you're going to calm things down and I don't have to worry. When the weeds of our life unexpectedly show up, when things unexpectedly get difficult, you got to hit them. You got to spray that peace spray, which looks like very simply, you got to take it to Jesus. That can be prayer. That can be get in church. That can be talk to somebody who knows a little bit more about this whole thing than, than you do. But you gotta, you got to trust in the peace of God when things are going well and then get unexpectedly interrupted. Or, like I said, number two, when we're right. Number three, last way that you can apply peace. So we talked about before the fight, we talked about when we're right. Number three, during the night. Everybody say night. So you've probably been somewhere where this has happened, where everybody's just doing their thing, things are going normal, and then the light goes out, power goes out or something, and what happens? Like say you're in school, power goes out. Yes, usually somebody screams. And not even, sometimes it's because they're scared, and sometimes it's just because people scream when the lights go out. Um, usually somebody panics, and then usually a few people are like, part of the room is just like chill, like what just happened? But typically, our natural reaction when the lights unexpectedly go out or there's unexpected darkness, we tend to kind of panic, either a lot or a little. Um, Something about darkness scares us. And it's not necessarily because we're afraid of the dark, because that's not entirely accurate when people say they're afraid of the dark. Typically, it's because we're afraid of not knowing what's out there. What I mean is, if I were to start you at the back of the room and tell you, hey, I'm going to shut off all the lights and I want you to make it to the front of the stage. You, if you're brave, may be like, yeah, I'm going to do that. But you may also remember there's about 60 chairs in this room and my shins are going to find them real fast if I move through here. 
It's not that you're afraid of the dark necessarily, you're afraid of what might be in it. And it's the same kind of thing if, if you are like in a dark house or hallway. So let me give you an example, and we're running out of time, so I'll make it quick. When you go up to my office, you go upstairs, and my office is like the second door up here. You can look all the way down this real long hallway and then see the stairwell at the other end. Now, if you've never been here, like when churches are going on, you've never seen the dimly lit hallway. But let me just tell you, it gets a little creepy when you come up those stairs and there's no light on except that red glowing exit line, exit sign. And it casts this red glow on this open, creepy, dark doorway at the other end of the hall. You, you see where I'm going with this? You ever seen like those, like, like those gifs or like the scary movies where you're like looking down the hallway and all of a sudden something just pops up? I'm, I'm 34 years old, and I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, I, like, my mind starts messing with me, and I'm just like, I'm going to unlock my door a little faster. Like, I'm trying to get in my office and shut the door. Or how many of you, like, when you get into bed, you still kind of do that little two-foot hop? Like, you shut off the lights or whatever, and you're like, trying to get up into bed? You know what I mean? Come on. Don't lie. I'm not doing it again because I think I pulled something. Uh, no. How many of you do that? Why? Because there's something in us that naturally responds, biologically almost responds to the uncertainty, to, to what might be in the dark. And the same happens when we don't understand what's going on in our life. When, we don't, when we're in a situation in life when we don't know what's going to happen, when we don't have any direction or guidance, when, when things literally in our life don't make sense, when something happens to us that completely we cannot rationalize. That's when peace is the most important. Philippians chapter 4 says this. says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Verse 7, this is what I want you to catch. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Now, another way of saying that, and you hear it in church said like this, is God has a peace that passes all understanding. That's kind of the churchy phrase that you'll hear sometimes. See, when we cultivate or when we grow, when we rely on God's peace, it exceeds, it passes, it overrules our understanding. And as the verse says, it guards our hearts and minds. It strengthens, it fortifies. And the actual translation says, however necessary. So, What I want you to catch, though, is that peace that passes all understanding, peace which exceeds anything we can understand. What is specific to us is that that's not, that's not accidental. That doesn't happen on accident. Just like we said earlier, that cornfield doesn't grow on accident. It's on purpose. Peace that exceeds our understanding doesn't happen on accident. It has to be a choice. We have to surrender our current level of understanding to the peace that he understands more than we do. And I think that's where we mess it up sometimes. We go, God, I want your peace in my life. God, I need you to take care of things. But we still don't give up our thoughts. We don't give up our anxiety, our crazy, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you go, okay, God, I need you to help. But you're still running 90 miles an hour on all the scenarios of what could go wrong. And all the while God's like, if you would just stop, let me take over. Then the peace of God will rush into your life. There's going to be times in your life when nothing makes sense. There there just is. There will be times in your life when everything you thought you knew no longer makes sense. There's going to be times in your life when the very foundation of what you believe, of who you thought you were, everything you define yourself by is tested. When that happens, you have to know what to rely on. 
You have to know what guides you. And in the darkest of nights, God's peace can show us the way forward if we'll only trust it. So here's where I want to close. With a very simple question. Nick, if you got some sort of instrumental, this would be the time for it. With a very simple question, I want you to ask yourself, how peaceful is your life? Not how calm, not how busy, or not busy. I don't mean it like that. It's a busy season, so you, at first glance, you might go, man, I'm always all over the place, got stuff going on, especially the graduation, head to school, all that kind of stuff. Not very peaceful. I don't mean that. I mean, how peaceful is your life when things get difficult for you, challenging for you? What is your response? What's your natural reaction? Is it peace? Or is it anxiety? worry, stress. That's the quick way to tell whether or not you have God's peace in your life. It's very easy. How much peace comes out of you when things get tough? How much peace? And if you're honest with yourself and, and not very much or not enough is the answer, then you know you got some work to do. Now, the great thing is God's peace, not only like we read, passes all understanding, but is readily available for each and every one of us. But we have to choose to trust his peace more than we trust our ability to control the situation. And that's not easy to do. It's not natural to do. We're rational people. Humans are rational. We want to be able to think things through, control things. I need to be able to fix this. And sometimes there are things in life that are just unfixable, except for God. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more from Relentless, hit subscribe or check us out on Instagram or Facebook.